I, I, don't, I think that's part of what it means to exercise faith is that you do have concerns and yet you still trust Christ. All of a sudden I get a text message with a, a lengthy scripture. And he's like, man, this just happened. He's like, I just got an answer. I mean, this is like directly an answer to me. He's like, it's been a long time since something like that has happened. Wasn't it obvious then, and isn't it obvious now, that if I want fish, I can get fish? What I need, Peter, are disciples. And I need them forever. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Preach My Gospel podcast. I'm here again with Jared Danis, who is, is a great friend. Probably recognize him from our last episode if you were with us. Jared, thanks for being willing to come back for, for a second episode today. Oh, I love it. So I enjoyed glad. our thanks. conversation so much. I'm like, that was we, fun. we've got more to say and more things I'd like to, to actually learn from you and be able to have you share. For those of you who didn't listen to the last episode, Jared is a, is a businessman working in summer cells, and he teaches some seminary and institute classes on the side, including a class here at the Utah Valley Institute uh, that is for returning missionaries. So any of you that live in the Provo or Orem area or just Utah Valley at all, we would love for you to, to come into the Institute. We have a couple great um, classes for returning missionaries that, that you can check out. And Jared is one of the teachers of those classes. The other day, um, Jared, we were together, and we were talking and uh, you told me a story about one of your companions. In the last episode, you talked about how when you found out a few of your companions had kind of strayed from the faith or lost their fire, how that was so devastating to you, it, it made you actually weep. Like, I look at you, you're a big, strong gym guy, you know, and, and, you know, you're a, and yet that caused you to weep, not just tear up, but, but actually weep out loud when you saw that your companions were struggling. And then you told me a story about one companion in particular that really was so instructive to me. Yeah. Uh, so I'd, I'd love for you yeah. to do it. And as you listeners are, are listening to what Jared teaches about the story, I just want you to be looking for principles, principles about the stewardship that we have for our companions, whether it was your companion in the mission field, or maybe now that you're home, you have roommates, you may have brothers or sisters or loved ones who are, who are beginning to stray. And sometimes it's really hard to know, how do I help them back? In my heart, I feel this, this pain to see them kind of struggling, but sometimes the things we do to bring them back actually turn them off. Right. And it's hard to know, how do I help them without being overzealous about it and things like that? And I thought, Jared, your story has so many great principles to teach. So I'll just, I'll just let you just share this with us, and then afterwards maybe we can process it. You know, I never thought the weeping would get out there, honestly, but I shared it last time openly. I don't even think my wife knows she about it. She doesn't know you ever cry. She, now it's no, out she there. Knows, so. She knows. What's, but not over someone else's choices. Like, yeah. I'm always like, okay, that's yeah. their choice to do what they want. But this one... It kind of reminds me of the Lord me. himself, you know, and we see that in the book of Moses when yeah. we just see the Lord weeping right. when he looked at the state of man and, and how Satan had got control of so many people. He wept. And... Uh, I think when we feel that kind of pain for the people we love, it actually says a lot about the charity 
the, the gift of charity that, that has been given to us from God, right? Yeah, maybe, I mean, Christ, so. I believe it was a gift for sure that yeah, day. Yeah. Didn't think of it at the time, but yeah. I've been reflecting on that today, actually, again, and and just reminds me, I feel like, I feel like that I was allowed to feel that kind of depth of grief and sorrow allowed me to have a deeper uh, conviction to help um, a certain segment of the saints, which is the return missionary. I just yeah. love them. I love the return missionary, and, and that just keeps growing all the time for the return missionary. So, uh, yeah, the story, I'm, I'm happy to share it. So um, since I've been teaching this return missionary class here at UVU, uh, one particular day— um, I was getting ready for class. I was parked out in the front of the parking lot there and and uh, just just sitting there. And I, I got a, a, a call or a text from my uh, my favorite of all time missionary companion. I'll, I'll say that. He was my favorite missionary companion. Um, he I asked him today if I could share the story. He said, yeah, go ahead. He said, you can even use my name, but I'll, I'll leave that out for now. <laughs> but he said, uh, so he calls me and he just kind of unloads with the difficulties that were happening in his life and the struggles he was having. And, you know, with the re- he had recently been married. It had been a long time. I mean, we're talking 18 years before he got married. So, yeah. so he was a, it was a little different. Uh, he, uh, he was just unloading about it. And then he had some financial concerns and things. And, and I was like, okay, you know, I got to get ready for my class, I'm thinking. And then he said, and then I just had the thought. I'm like, I'm like let's ask him how he's doing in the church. Now, backpedal I've had many good experiences with this guy and this is a guy I've kept close to me yeah and every time we see each other we pick up where we left off you know so it's just that assumption like we always talk about the church and stuff that it's always there well I asked him how are you doing with the church and that's when it got you know real interesting he said well you're the last one I wanted to tell and that was just because of our relationship right. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, he's like, well, you know, you know, I, I, uh, I was trying to help some friends out. You know, they had some things they were leaving the church over. So I had them tell me all the things and I dug into it. And then I just went down a rabbit hole that just kept going and going and going. And, uh, man, I just, I think I lost my testimony. I'm like, really? I'm like, okay, well, tell me, tell me, tell me what you're talking about. So we went through all the stuff, all his troubles, the things that are bothering him the most. I'm like, and after he got through it all, I said, okay, there's nothing you just told me that I haven't at least generally knew mm-hmm. to some extent, a good portion of it. Yeah. I'm like, but I'm okay with it, and I know the church is true. Why are you struggling? He's like, well, I just don't understand how you can... I'm like, well, didn't we experience this on our mission? We were in California on our mission, and we heard everything I thought we could hear. He's like, yeah, but I just didn't, I kind of just thought it was all lies back then. I'm like, okay. I'm like, but you don't What's now. changed, yeah. But you don't now. <laughs> so I, I said, okay, well, let me ask you questions. Is that okay? And he said, yeah. I said, uh, when's the last time you read the Book of Mormon? <laughs> oh, it's been a long time. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, I knew that. I'm like, you going to church? Uh, no, not really. He's like, he's like, well, I read the Bible a little bit. I'm like, okay. And then I just went down the list, you know, the regular list that you know you need to do to build your faith. Yeah. And I said to him, I'm like, and I don't know, if, if Shiblon was counseled by his dad, Alma, not to be overbearing, I was about as borderline as you could get because this is what I said to him. I said, I'm not going to let you leave the church. 
<laughs> I said that to him. Kind of surprised I said it, but not really because well, our I, relationship. Yeah, I think you can say things like that to somebody that you have built a relationship with. Yeah. So much of this is based on those relationships of trust that allow you to be really open with people like that. So I think that's yeah. a foundational principle there. Yeah, I was like, I'm not going to let you leave. He's like, huh? I'm like, listen, I know it's true, and I know you can get your testimony back. He's like, I don't think I can. I'm like, I know you can. And then, and then I thought of, I didn't think of till after, but I thought of like Gideon. Remember Gideon proposed to, uh, I was at King Limhi. Uh-huh. He said, if I've ever been of any service to you in any way, will you listen to me now? And that's kind of what I said. I said, do you trust me? He's like, dude, I actually do trust you. Yeah. I'm like, well, trust me right now. And I'm going to help you get your testimony. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help you get it back. I love you that much. He's like, okay. I'm like, this is what we're going to do. And he was open to it. He's like, you know, it would be really convenient if it's true because my wife believes. I'm like, yeah, it would be convenient. But it is. I'm like, will you do? Will you read with me every day? He's like, yeah, I will. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you an assignment every day. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk about it. I want you to write the answers. So I just would take, you know, chapters and just have them contrast and compare. And, and, I, and he did it. He would do the assignment. He'd write, he had a lot of writing written out. And I was like, wow, okay. Good job. Okay, you're going. And we're like, okay, let's, let's go next. Give him some other chapters. He'd study them. And at this point, I, uh, that next day, I'd gone down to St. George with my family. And I remember just talking with him. I was just laying there on the bed, and I was just writing back and forth. And in a matter of days of him doing this, all of a sudden I get a text message with a, a lengthy scripture. And he's like, man, this just happened. I'm like, what happened? He's like, he's like, I just got an answer. Well, I think I got an answer. I mean, this is like directly an answer to me. He's like, it's been a long time since something like that has happened. I'm like, all right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. It's just starting. So he keeps on, and uh, every day he's studying, and his faith is building a little at a time, and he's still struggling big time with finances and things at this time. But in my mind, I want to be loving and caring, but I'm like, I don't know what God's doing. It might be on purpose right now. Yeah. I'm like, let's keep he's going. Him. And uh, you know, I followed up, and he said, I got my wife and I and my daughter. We're all reading together every night. Wow. And I'm so excited. I'm like, he's going to get there. And then he tells me, eventually, he's like, I'm going to go see if I get my temple recommended. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's go. He's like, well, I went into the bishop, and he couldn't believe I came to him. And he's like, because he had already told him everything he yeah. had thought. Mm-hmm. He's like, so uh, let's, hold on, let's give it a month or so, and let's just see how this goes, you know, because yeah. he had a lot of concerns. He's like, okay. So they put it off for a month. Well, I said, and we reached out to him. I said, how are things going? And then he sends me a picture of his temple recommend. Wow. <laughs> I think of the I think of the moment of the grief that you were talking about where you were just weeping and yeah. this is like the opposite extreme on the dial, right? When it he was. shows you the temple recommend. It was. What did you feel like? Oh, I'm like, I can't believe just putting in the efforts I'm putting in. Yeah. Which there there was no magic sauce I offered him. People yeah. might be like, What verses do you have him read? Doesn't matter. <laughs> he was reading and he was acting in faith. Yeah. And God That's was right. able to start to soften his heart. Yeah. We were able to go to attend the temple together. We attended, and then he, uh, after that, you know, he's still like, I still have the concerns, some of these concerns, but I'm able to kind of put them on the side for a little bit, yeah. and my heart's softening. And then he had his, uh, you know, he, he was sealed in the temple in March. So we're talking 
So that was in October of last year. Yeah. In March, he was he sealed, was to, his sealed to his wife. Did you get to be there for that? Yeah, I was there for that. Tell us about that. So I, <laughs> so I walk in, just a random soul, right? A 40-year-old guy walking in <laughs> by himself. And uh, you've got his family and then her family there. And they're like, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm just a friend of, uh, I didn't say his name. But uh, the mom and the dad get up and they come over like, I had done something great for them. <laughs> they're crying. They're like, thank you. Thank you. I'm like, I didn't do anything. And they're like, we've been praying for an angel. And he happened to be that angel. And I thought about that a lot. And I think how many people can we be the angel for that only you can be the one to uh, bring something to them in a, in a special way because of the experiences you shared with them. And uh, I was texting with him today, actually. Uh-huh. And uh, he's so this has been about a year now. Yeah, right? I, I, yeah. We're almost back to October. So this has been about a year process. This today. is almost a year, almost yeah. a year. I sent him a screenshot of the day we talked mm-hmm. and I said something to him, just just said something to him. I said, you're going to get your testimony back and this will be able to bless the <laughs> lives of others because you'll know how they feel. Yeah. And I just sent that to him. He's like, He's like, that day my life changed. Yeah. And he revealed a little more to me today. He's like, man, I was going, I was, I was getting ready to leave the church and join, like he was actually going to join a Christian church. Like uh-huh. his uncle had been trying to talk him into it. Yeah. And he's like, you were the last lifeline right before that happened. So when he called yeah. me before I went into that class, and that really touched me. I'm like, man, this story just keeps getting better. Yeah. And how do I, I'm not, I don't know anything. Yeah. And just happened to be there to give an invitation at the right time. Um, I love that companion, like a lot, and he knows it, and uh, I know he loves me too. And so I know that uh, those relationships on your mission, I used to think it was all about the converts, you know, those converts that you bring to Christ, and, and when they fall away, it's devastating, but when your companions fall away, it's so much greater. I don't know why, but... Uh, like you said in another podcast, it's like those you were in foxholes with. Yeah. They know what it was like, and only you and I know what that experience was like with your companion. So I've heard the I've heard the saying that the person like when you're on your mission, the person in your area most likely to be exalted someday is your companion. Like the person who could most likely make it all the way to becoming like Christ. And so that person becomes your number one person in your area. If you're given a a companion, like, I don't really get along with them, or this guy isn't, he's not like me. That's all the more reason to be excited because you've been given an opportunity to help someone come into Christ. The missionary purpose says our purpose is to invite others to come into Christ by helping them receive the restored gospel through faith in Jesus Christ and his atonement, repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end. So you just took that missionary purpose and you didn't set it aside. You invited your friend to come into Christ by helping him receive the restored gospel. So there's, there's two verbs that I think are, are so prominent in the missionary purpose. One is invite, and the other is help. It's the Lord's job to convert. He did the, right. he did the great work with he your did friend. All, it. all that you did was, was awesome, but it, the Lord brought about the mighty change of heart, but you did two things that I see. You invited him to, to study the scriptures with you. You gave him several other invitations, but then you helped him to keep those commitments. 
And by just inviting and helping, he began to develop or redevelop his faith in Jesus Christ. And then it became very natural for him to repent because the faith in Christ is now driving him, not just Jared, you Mm -hmm. know, it's faith in Christ. And then he'd already been baptized, but then he went and made his final final covenant, his final saving ordinance of being sealed to his wife, right? So he went right through the doctrine of Christ as a result of you inviting and helping him. And just right back to the mission field, sometimes we think to ourselves, those days of inviting and helping, oh, those are done, now I'm home, and now I'm going to school, now I'm earning money. Right. But I love that you didn't forget your missionary purpose with your companion. You know, it feels great, right? Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. But really, you think about it, you're like, okay, so I have friends that have fallen away from the church. Maybe I need to bring them to some historical evidence teacher of the Book of Mormon or yeah. whatever it is, or yeah. church history. No. What brings someone to Christ? It's the same every time. Build faith in them in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And what's the greatest way to do it? The Book of Book Mormon. Book of Mormon, absolutely. Book of Mormon. You get them reading the Book of Mormon. You get them praying and watch what happens to their heart. Yeah. They may view a certain doctrine one way, like he told me today, still polygamy is hard for them. Yeah, it's still hard like, for most people. But he's like, right? it's okay, though. I yeah. can put that on the side yeah. because of the faith. His heart has been softened yeah. through his faith. Replace the time that you spent digging down that rabbit hole yeah. in all these internet sources, put that time into the Book of Mormon and watch what happens. It's it, The very purpose of that book is to bring us to Jesus Christ, to cause us to, to build that faith in him. And when the faith is there, it's like following Christ and being obedient and and uh, sharing the gospel and all those things, Just it just becomes second nature. But I love how the Book of Mormon is the catalyst for that. It's the catalyst for it. And some may be feeling like or, or thinking like, well, w- w- what do I do? Like, should I look and help people by reading all the things that they have to, to read? If you know anything about the way um, counterfeit money is studied, mm-hmm. those professionals who can catch it, yeah. it's not that they go study everything, every counterfeit, potentially um, fraudulent uh, money that comes about. They get to know the real ones so well that they can identify when it's not. That is so profound. So do I need to go dig up all these things? Do I need to be educated on all the attacks of the church? No, you, get, you need to know the Savior so well. Yeah. So when the hail comes and all those things come into your life, you won't fall. Yeah. And I think I love that. Like there's a place for, there's a lot of answers yeah. to those questions. And, and I think once you have that base firmly rooted in Christ, that you gained as you read the Book of Mormon, then, then yeah, go after those questions. And there are great historians that can give you lots of information. There's a lot of things that we just think there's not answers to that there are actually a lot of great answers to. Right. But those answers aren't the things that are going to ultimately satisfy. They'll help. They're interesting. Um, it helps you intellectually, which is, which is part of the whole process. But to spiritually stay anchored, I think you've, you've hit on exactly the right point. Well, in sense, he's like, I still have some concerns. And then I started yeah. helping him. I started sending some material that could help him, but I knew that that wasn't going to do it at the yeah. beginning. Yeah, and it's okay to have concerns. Yeah. I, I, don't, I think that's part of what it means to exercise faith is that you do have concerns, and yet you still trust Christ. If, right. if, if everything was just tied up with a nice bow all the time, 
there'd be no need for faith. Like if they dug up something in Central America that was welcome to Zarahemla, right. you know, everybody would just, okay, the Book of Mormon's true and I wouldn't have to go to God right. for that answer. So I think he leaves things ambiguous. The Lord allows the gospel to be messy so that we do have to go to the source. We have to go to him and, and, uh, and go through the spiritual work that it takes. But Jared, one thing I love about this story, um, I think of in 2 Nephi 1 when Lehi speaks to Zoram and he gives Zoram a blessing after he gives all of his own kids a blessing. Zoram was that priest of Laban that they, they brought out with them into the wilderness and he, he had a blessing for him before he died. And as he spoke to him, he says, and this is verse 30, And now Zoram, I speak unto you, behold, thou art the servant of Laban. Nevertheless, thou hast been brought out of the land of Jerusalem. And I know that thou art a true friend unto my, ne- my son Nephi forever. Hmm. I don't know. Is there anything that's more satisfying than being a true friend? Like, is there anything that's more Christ-like, that's more um, characteristic of a disciple of Jesus Christ than being someone who's a true friend? You weren't content that you had faith and that your family was doing well. Like, you were willing to, to take the time Necessary. What were the words you said? Like, I'm not going to let you fall away. Or, like, I'm not going to let you leave the church. I'm not going to let you leave. Like, I'm not going to let you. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I love you too much. Yeah. And I'm in this with you. That to me is true friendship. And it's absolutely true discipleship. Is there anything else that you wanted to highlight from that experience that you had that, that could maybe you could pass along to, to those who are struggling, uh, who have friends or former companions or loved ones who are struggling? So actually, yeah. Um, so one thing I've seen since um, in, the, in a number of years is a lot of return missionaries come home and, and people say, hey, you know, they'll eventually, you know, th- they won't be like this soon. They'll be weird at first, but eventually they'll become normal people again yeah. kind of thing. And we all <laughs> laugh about that. But I think what happens is a lot of times they come home and then they see what other return missionaries are doing. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, so it's cool that we go do this. Yeah. And that's what all of us are doing? I'm adjusted now. So, okay, yeah, I'm adjusted. I, just, I guess we can go do this, this, and this. Um, and it's actually a vicious cycle I've seen over and over and over again. And uh, I delight in being a little weird <laughs> and not being like everyone else. The scriptures talk about being a peculiar people. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, there is nothing. The thing, what you are now, we should all want to become like that. Exactly. And uh, and so that vicious cycle. I have I have this song that I play. It's, I like to listen to a lot of Christian music. Uh-huh. And this one, I think it's Zach Williams, and probably some of you've heard. It. It's like. Um, fire in my soul or a church choir Uh in my soul or something like that. (laughs) And it starts out like there's a revival Uh uh, and it's spreading. And I think, what if we could have a revival where the return missionary felt like a stewardship or like a sincere desire to help his fellow return missionaries succeed when they come home and help them um, collectively um, go to spiritual environments and have spiritual experiences of going to the temple together and maintaining that faith and rooting each other on yeah. as they, as they uh, get married and sealed and fulfilling their goals. Instead of like, oh, you're still in missionary mode? Oh, how long is that going to be? Mm-hmm. But if we could have the opposite, like a real revival <laughs> of like reach out to your companions and 
the cool thing about reaching out to a companion versus maybe a friend that you had in the past, sometimes when missionaries come home, they go back to their nets, yeah. what they were used to, like Peter did. I go a fishing. Yeah. What happened when he went a fishing after the Savior left? He caught nothing that night. Right. There is no satisfaction in the <laughs> things of the world or the way you used to do it exactly. after you've had an experience with the Savior. Yeah. And then when the Savior says, cast the other side, do it the way I want you to do it, and look. Fill the, fill the nets. Fill it up. And so what if, what if there could be a revival with the Savior involved? And so when you see a companion again, you can start right where you left off. Like, hey, what I knew when I was with you yeah. was this is who we were. Yeah. We were all about the Savior and all about spreading the gospel. Now we're back together. Let's do it again. Let's keep doing it. Let's, 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 let's let that happen. Out. Let's help each other out. Yeah. So that's just, when I listen to that song, I just feel that fire in me like, Let's what if it. we could spread this yeah. where the return missionaries are all about helping their former or fellow return missionaries succeed when they come home? That gets me excited to yeah. think about that. That kind of a revival, it's going to take everybody. Like, we all need help. We all have those moments where we have those lulls in our life. Uh, Brian and I talked about in a previous episode about the brother of Jared kind of being stuck on a beach for four years. And just kind of quit doing the things, quit relying upon the direction of the Lord. And the Lord finally chastised him and said, let's go. And then that's when he saw the finger of the Lord. That's when he saw all the miracles. And if we can sometimes be that for our friends and just say, hey, let's let's go. Let's let's not and not wait till the four years on the beach happens. Yeah, exactly. What can happen in those four years? A lot of four months, a lot of bad things. You can get right back into where you used to be. But I love the idea of it being being a friend, being a true friend. And I think, Jared, I don't know if you ever think about what would have happened if you would have just kind of blown off your friend that day and just, oh, that's too bad. And, you know, and it just like, how would things have been different? I know it was the Lord that changed his heart, but you were a catalyst to it that day. And, and I think we can really miss out on so many miracles when we, we fail to to, to heed promptings of the Spirit, to, to go after and to, to help the people that we love. And it might take a lot longer than your friend. Right. I mean, that was really cool. That happened pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, it might take years. Yeah. Right? And that's okay, too. We just never give up. Elder Holland said, if, if you love them today, you can teach them tomorrow. Mm. And maybe it's building up the kind of relationship that you had that will allow them to, be, to get to the level of boldness. Right. Like, I'm not letting this happen kind <laughs> of thing. But uh, I think there's a lot of listening that's involved. I think we tend to want to give all the, the answers to them, but take a minute to really listen to them and hear them, empathize, feel their pain, and then discern by the Spirit what it is that you need to say to them. Elder Bednar said, teaching is not talking and telling. It's observing, listening, and then discerning mm. what you need to say to help that friend. And I think the Lord gave you just the right thing. And, uh, that's why we saw that miracle. So you think about the people listening right now. They all had missionary companions that they would die for, right? They yep. would just, they're like, this is my brother or sister, and, and I would do anything for them. You may be the only one that can help that individual in their, their struggles. And a simple invitation to come to institute or go to church or to uh, hang out with them may be the exact thing the Lord needs to do to, to use you and perform miracles in their lives. I'm absolutely convinced of that. So if I were running an exercise, if you were running, if this was a class, I'd say, hey, 
take some time right now and think about your companions and let the Spirit whisper to you which companion you could reach out to this week, that you could have an experience with this week, that you could uh, rekindle that relationship, whether it's been two months or, or a year or six, six years. Um, the Spirit is very good at knowing the whole, the whole context of the whole situation in everyone's life. So our invitation, will all of you do that? And uh, we can't see your response, but we promise you that if you will respond to the invitation that, that Jared just shared, think about your companion and then follow the promptings of the Spirit about what you might do for them, miracles will happen. Amen. I testify that's true as well. There's revival and it's spreading like a wildfire in my heart. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Preach My Gospel podcast. If you feel this podcast might be helpful to others, please invite them to join us for our next episode. Don't forget to subscribe using the link found in the episode notes to submit questions and offer suggestions. For more information about Institute and other offerings from the Utah Valley Institute of Religion, please visit utahvalleyinstitute.com. You may also find us on Instagram at Preach My Gospel Podcast. The Preach My Gospel podcast is produced with permission from the Utah Valley Institute of Religion. The hosts are expressing their personal views based on their experiences, applying the principles of Preach My Gospel, and accept full responsibility for the content in these episodes.